And just like that, ladies and gentlemen, the first half of the NBA season is now complete. Your Phoenix Suns are the second best team in the NBA with a record of 24 and 11 following a 22 point drubbing of the Golden State Warriors. Matthew, the game never was truly in doubt. It was, uh, there was opportunities for the Suns to probably blow them out by even more. But at the end of the day, I think we all knew that this was going to be a victory considering no Steph Curry, no Draymond Green, no Kelly Oubre, no chance for the Warriors tonight, right? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, what do you take away from this win? I mean, like you just said, the Warriors said nobody. You take away a win. I mean, basically, we have to just get those wins because the Clippers lose tonight. Going up in those standings, this helps so much, especially our our lesser guys, which are great players, are better than the Warriors lesser. You know what I mean? Like they just they'll out hustle anybody off the bench. So that's what you can count on, especially in the fourth quarter tonight. What a great win. Absolutely. Another fun game for the Phoenix Suns. Nice to relax during these games, especially coming off that Laker victory in which it was a high stress game that every possession mattered. This one, and eh, not so much. I mean, when Cameron yeah. Payne's going off in the manner that he is, you celebrate, you stomp your fists, uh, or you stomp your feet, and you you pump your <laughs> fists. You stomp your fists, and and you celebrate because you know that yeah. if if campaigns leading the way, that you're probably in a good position as a team. So it's time here on the Suns Jam Session podcast to talk about that Warriors game and also bring up some other things. Obviously, the All-Star game is right around the corner. We want to discuss that. We want to discuss uh, probably one of those dumb trades. We're entering trade season, so it's time to start bringing up some of those uh, rumors that are floating around Suns Twitter and the NBA and ESPN, which has literally just become clickbait material in my opinion like they, <laughs> oh, they've wait. given up on it never fails we'll win a championship and still be the same stuff yeah they're like oh everybody wants to leave the suns who can we trade yeah. them to it's like they're really kind of interesting exactly. so we'll, we're going to cover that and plenty more on this edition of the suns jam session podcast so for those of you who are listening on the bright side of the sun podcast network Thank you for doing so. Please subscribe, rate, and review. If you are watching on YouTube, hit the thumbs up button. It helps with the algorithms. And go ahead and subscribe to the podcast as well. We are now over 800, and so the next milestone is 900 Jamsters who join us Ooh. for these podcasts. So looking forward to that. You can follow me on Twitter, at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissy. And you just hit 300 followers tonight, my Ooh, good friend. Man, so Mr. 300. Yes, Mr. 300. Matthew Lissy is joining us live here. So uh, honored and obliged, yeah. my friend. Oblige him. And make sure that, you, I, by the way, I've been watching a lot of Tarantino movies. So if I start to do some Aldo uh, Rain and whatnot, uh, please, I, uh, forgive please me. Save it. And, please, <laughs> and please subscribe to the podcast via Twitter at Suns Jam. So again, plenty to talk about on this edition. If you've got a beer like I do, I got my hazy IPA. We're oh, both rocking the hazy. Oh, man. Cheers, my friend. <laughs> Pop them open. <laughs> oh, got, a little spillage, huh? I just got beer like everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Suns, baby. <laughs> You know, Matthew, we've been doing this podcast for, let's see, this is our 140th episode since yeah. we've joined the Bright Side of the Sun.com podcast network. And we did probably about 40 podcasts before that when we were independent of the mm -hmm. Solar Report. We were back in the day. This is the first time I've spilled a beer, man. Is it the first time? You're such yes. a pro, though, dude. I wouldn't expect anything less. So I hope it's okay over there, dude. Do I don't know if I... Up for you? Look it up off your lap. The doggy, where's the doggy at? Uh, Brooklyn's <laughs> asleep on the bed over there, so she's she always gets a front row seat for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the next thing I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing that I'm such a pro at opening beers. Maybe I should, uh, you know, what they say if you are an alcoholic, that just means you've admitted you have a problem. Yeah. I'm what you well, call just, a drunk. <laughs> if you start using your teeth, then I think we got an issue. 
right? <laughs> yes. And I could probably do that. Um, but I am drunk right now. I'm drunk on the excitement for this Phoenix Suns team. Again, 24 and 11 heading into the NBA All-Star break. A game against the Warriors was the last check mark before we hit that midway point of the season. And it was going to be a fairly easy task. I mean, before the game, we actually put our tweet out this morning reminding the Jamsters to come join us. And what we typically do is we'll put a little poll on there. Who's going to hit more threes in this game? Devin Booker plus Chris Paul or Steph Curry? And we put that out about 8 o'clock this morning. And then right around noon, they're like, oh, by the way, Steph Curry didn't even travel to Phoenix today. Draymond Green's not going to be a part of this game. We knew that Kelly Oubre probably won it because he sat out the game last night. So you're going against a very, very undermanned uh Golden State Warriors team. Um, let, let's talk about some of these guys. I mean, I mean, yeah. you, you first of all, you got to win this game, right, Matthew? You can't go against a de- unbelievably depleted Warriors team and lose this game, right? That would have uh, put quite a sour taste in our yeah, mouths. Prior. Yeah, you, you, you have to win this game, but I mean, you can count on the Suns. I don't think I, I didn't have any worry today or tonight, even with these guys out, Kelly Uber, I didn't know was out of the game until right before the game. So I was like, Oh, wow. Even though he probably wouldn't affect it that much, but you don't want the Kelly Uber game when he comes back for the second time to play the Suns and just like tear us up. You don't want that either. But yeah, I mean this, this Suns team you can count on for sure. Cause honestly, when you look at Booker playing today, he looks serious. I mean, he even hurt his knee tonight and he wanted to come back out and finish the job. He knows how important these wins are. We do too as Suns fans, but when you're playing a lesser team, this team has learned their lesson twice. I think, this year right where they had two bad losses to lesser teams and now they then they come back even stronger you could see it on their faces da maybe had a little bit of a chuckle here and there in the game but you know they were trying to keep it serious and and you know take the fourth quarter off dude just like the rest of the league today lebron james was out lebron like a lot of the stars were just sitting out tonight they just were. because it's like you know it's almost it's almost spring break you know you're gonna call out you're gonna ditch class you're just gonna you're gonna do that the last day before going to the all-star break if your team's okay with it of course but if you're an all-star you can do whatever you want but uh yeah dude i i i was not even worried in this game were you though i mean i i was not worried at all no and it's a nice feeling to truly go into a game and like you know, when we were going against the Wizards and we lost that game, that was still kind of an iffy part of the season. And we didn't really have an identity yet. I mean, even Charles Barkley had said on TNT that this team lacked an identity. Chris Paul was still trying to integrate himself. Devin Booker didn't really know how and when to be Devin Booker. So when we lost that game to the Wizards and you have Bradley Beal on the other side, you're frustrated, but you could almost see it coming. These days, we really have a solid grasp of who we are as a team. And, of course, there's going to be ebbs and flows in this game in which they're going to have runs put on them. But at the same time, you knew that this team has the ability to respond. So in no way, shape, or form was I worried about this team. I mean, here, here's the starting lineup that the Suns had to play against. Okay, Andrew Wiggins. We all know Andrew Wiggins, mm-hmm. former number one pick. And that's right, right? Number one pick. Yeah, he was number one. Okay. Barry Parker, number two. That's right. I was trying to yeah. I, okay. So Andrew Wiggins, we all know who he is. Uh James Wiseman, another number one overall pick, uh, but a rookie who's still very young and still has a lot of growing, obviously, to do, not only from a basketball skill set standpoint, but also just physically has a lot of growing to do. Uh Damian Lee, who's not somebody I'm really familiar with. Nico Mannion. Uh, who obviously is a University of Arizona one and dunner went to Pinnacle High School, which is located not far from my residence. And then some guy who wears number 25, uh, Toscano Anderson, and that's his last name hyphenated. So you're going against this team. And even though at the beginning of the game, the Suns were turning the ball over and not playing with the focus that you necessarily wanted, you knew that once we dipped into their bench, the Suns were going to, take this game over uh but back to nico manning real quick yeah. you know it, it's his first start ever as a professional athlete he gets to do it in his hometown uh the team that he probably grew up watching you know thoughts on the rookie for you of from u of a and pinnacle high school and and real quick john bloom i saw it on twitter he called him the ginger ninja and i'm <laughs> sure that's a nickname he's had before but i yeah. never heard that and i thought that was really funny no, that's actually really good. I was thinking he kind of looks like Billy the Kid, even though no one's really seen what Billy the Kid looks like. But if Billy the Kid looked like somebody, that's what he would look It'd like. It'd be Nico Mannion. It'd be Nico Mannion. I don't know why, but he looks like Billy the Kid. 
he actually he's surprising to me to what how quick he is in this game i think that having his first start especially in his hometown that that must like give him some extra boost of energy to prove something of course you're playing with a young crew and uh wiseman so you kind of want to have the two-man game going with him and you can kind of see he was trying to force that got the alley-oops in there got a couple steals hitting some big threes uh i mean his point total of course wasn't too much but you kind of thought like maybe this guy might go off you're kind of nervous about that as a suns fan but also just watching him i feel like I didn't really know too much about him going into the draft. Okay. I mean, we had the draft shows. We kind of ignored the guy a little bit. We mentioned maybe what 30 seconds, but to see him on the court, you can see like why teams are interested in him. He's very much the hustle guy. He can go out there and he can play point in a way where he's still very raw. But I think once he gets more time, he can be a pretty decent backup point guard. And it's kind of cool because Golden State Warriors, of course, you know, they've been great for so long, but they have Wiseman who you can see the potential in him. And I think that he is showing it every night. He tried to go at Aiden tonight and you know, he, he tried his best stuff at him, but it didn't work out. But Nico's the same way. He's not going to, he, he picked up Chris Paul, everybody full court and mm-hmm. defensively, he was out there to prove something, dude. So I, I enjoyed watching him, of course, cause I know the Suns are going to win. So I just enjoyed watching him play. Cause it's just this hustle. Yeah, and that's what gets you noticed and gets you minutes in the NBA. That's the Javon Carter formula, if you will. Is he somebody who doesn't necessarily have all the athletic talent in the world, but at the same time, he makes that up with hustle. It's the Dario Sarge formula as well. Yeah, you know, Nico Mannion. Obviously, when we were doing all of our draft research and and podcasts pertaining to what we thought the Suns would do, we didn't bring up Nico Mannion because there was no way that the Suns were going to go for him in this past draft. We had the number ten overall pick. We had no second round pick, and that's where he ended up being drafted. I believe he was with the first pick of the second round, or Golden State had moved up, but right yes. in that range, uh, if I remember correctly. And he didn't really look good at U of A. So he's somebody who coming out of Pinnacle High School, a lot of people were really high on him as a distributor, as a true point guard and somebody who I had my eye on. And then when I saw him play a little bit at U of A, and I will say this uh, again and again, I'm not an avid college basketball watcher. So uh, I'm not a great evaluator of talent. If you want to see somebody who uh, provides fantastic draft reviews and things of that nature. Uh, you got to check out Zona Sports, who yes. writes for Bright Side of the Sun, and he's on the Locked On podcast with Brendan Clean on Mondays. He does a great job of reviewing the draft and and really breaking down guys who could fit with Phoenix and just overall, he lives in that space. I don't live in that space, but I know what I saw from Nico Mannion, and Travis says it actually in the YouTube chat. He says he's a, he is a much better NBA player than college, pace, spacing, and shooting. And that was one of the things in the few games that I did watch of U of A. I didn't. I wasn't really a fan of Nico Mannion, um, and I don't know why we're spending so much time on Nico Mannion. This time. I mean, we knew podcast. we would talk about him a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, and I guess we you know. To. But and and you know, kudos to him. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how his career plays out. And yes, he is a a probably a career backup point guard. Um, but going back to the Suns, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you, and I noticed this throughout the game, and it's definitely something that I've noticed over the past few games, but why is Devin Booker better than Chris Paul at the Valley Oops to DeAndre Ayton? Oh, you know, I feel like he just got there. He struggled this year early, Booker, with Aiden. For some reason, I mean, he's played with Aiden for three years. But his alley-oop, the little hook shot alley-oop thing, is that new? That looks brand new. And he's getting it to the right height, the right elevation for DeAndre Aiden to get it. And, I mean, it's it's simple. It seems like it's simple, but it's something that Booker has to definitely work on. And he has. He's almost perfected it to where it's just basically like a layup for him, just tossing it to, to Aiden. So, I mean, they're, they're learning that when Aiden has a mismatches, you have to go at it and just to throw it up kind of like Mikhail Bridges in a way you saw today too, where you throw it ar- around in his range when he's cutting, he'll grab it. Cause those long arms DA is the same way. He just got thrown up high. There were a few where I'm like, Whoa, like that might've been too high, but Aiden went up and grabbed him, dude tonight. So it's both, you know, Aiden has to go get him, And then, you know, um, Booker has to put him in the right spot. So I think Booker's really gone there though. And shout out to one of our loyal listeners, Blaze Megatron. And, you know, quite simply, he says Booker's had more time than CP3 with DeAndre Ayton. And I agree with that statement. He's had a better opportunity over the past, you know, this is now his third season with him to develop a chemistry. But you're yeah. right, Matthew. He's This is a new aspect. This is a new kind of pass. I mean, he essentially cuts across the lane, and then it's almost like, you know, kind of the scoop shot back to where Ayton yes. is. And it's something that I haven't seen from him before. In the past, he has thrown those driving uh, 
shots essentially that he's throwing short for Aiton, or he'll try the bounce pass, which uh, for some reason the Suns just can't get a bounce pass to DeAndre Aiton. And I know that we're clearly saying his name probably a little too much, so therefore, you know what time it is. Aiton Watch 2021. You know, Aiton again is displaying his physicality. And in a game where, and you called this, Matthew, you know, you said DeAndre Ayton going against James Wiseman. He is in better physical shape. He's a bigger body and he's going to push him around. And how fun was it tonight to see him actually execute that? Yeah, it's nice to see. And I like his little hook shot that Aiden has because basically if you can get the ball over Wiseman, I mean, Wiseman looks like he's maybe what an inch or two inches taller than Aiden. Mm -hmm. He's pretty, he's pretty freaking tall and longer too. So I know he's a rookie, but Wiseman himself is just so long. So if Aiden can get that little hook shot over him, then really he can get over anybody. And I like him going to work on the younger guy. I think for Aiden, it's kind of like an obstacle in his head. I know Wiseman's a rookie, but for Aiden to actually know that, think of that. I think there's a little bit of a hesitation. So it's like, if I go at Wiseman and he schools me, it's going to look bad. So for him to go get out of, I know that's in his head to get that out of his head and just like to work on his game down low on the block. It was perfect. Cause that little hook shot, man, that's something that's nasty and something that he should always have in his repertoire. And he should, you know, bring that out whenever he wants dude. Cause he can shoot over anybody he wants in the league. And he bossed him around, especially on defense. He really held his own against him. Yeah. And you can tell he was kind of testing the waters with him early on in the game. He started with his jumper, which is his first shot against Wiseman. And then he started getting closer and closer to the basket and realized, Hey, if I get within six feet of this guy, I can score with that little baby hook anytime I want to. And essentially that's how Deandre Ayton operated in the paint. This game, he ended with 11 points, uh, 10 rebounds. He was only five for 10 shooting. So not his most efficient night. Um, and seven uh, of those were defensive and three offensive boards. So yeah. I was really uh, pleased with DeAndre Ayton's performance. And, and again, when we talk about the starters in this game, it was really about setting tone because you were going against a team that was drastically undermanned and they didn't necessarily set that tone right off the bat. And you had the second team come in and play with such a tenacity that it it did what we saw earlier in the season with the Phoenix Suns is it kept that sustained scoring it. They developed the big lead. I mean, the, the team was turning the ball over in that first half seven or in the first quarter, seven turnovers in the first quarter. And that's not the start you wanted. It, you know, the, the team had their hands down on, on the shots. It was a lot of lack of effort, you know, but this mm-hmm. again, you know, would you agree that this was another opportunity for a learning experience for this team? Like, remember who you are. You are my son, the one true <laughs> king. You must take your place in the circle of life. All right, was that Quentin Tarantino movie? What was that? That was actually The Lion King. Okay, sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> I thought you were quoting a Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, yeah, definitely learning experience. But as they go as well, I think that um, when Chris Paul, you know, like he's on the floor and they're turning the ball over, you can just see his body language. Just like, oh my god, come on! Even him, silly turnovers too. It was stupid. And the more and more, like the media members, everyone talks about going to the game, your mindset and stuff. You know, they were talking about the pregame. It, it gets annoying, and it's like Booker is the only guy that looked like his mindset was right. Everybody else is kind of like, eh, whatever, especially Aiden. You know, he's out there laughing most of the game, it looked like in the first half. And it, it, it's funny, it's a fun game. You're playing the lesser team, but it can get out of hand. People can get hot, and then you can just go cold. So it's kind of scary in the same way. But I also think that the turnovers in the first half, you learn from those going to the second half. I'm sure that's something Monty talked about, which is you know, it's perfect because that's the way any team in the NBA would go about this game. You just start out sluggish. You give the other team, you know, a little bit of momentum. Like they think they have an opportunity here to maybe to pull something out. And it, it just doesn't happen now because with the Suns team, they have adjustments at halftime. They go they they go big after half. I know in the third quarter, they sometimes come out a little flat. But then after that, they cruise and their bench themselves. That is the most impressive thing to me because this this bench like you mentioned, needed this game, especially campaign, to really get going and get his get his confidence back, dude. And then you had Frank the Tank on there too. So these guys need their confidence. They're never going to let up, dude. You have a bench made of players that are just going to be exhausting themselves on the court every minute. So we don't have to worry about them letting us down. 
No, completely agree. And it's the consistency. It's the maturity. It's the, the the culture of this team right now. And it's so funny to say that after all these years that the thing that wins us games now is the culture and the confidence that Monty Williams has put and instilled in his bench players. Uh, Blaze mm-hmm. asks a question in the chat. I'll let you take this one, Matthew. Yeah. Um, did you like the Frank plus Dario minutes, both being on the court at the same time? Something we haven't really necessarily seen thus far this season. You know, I did like it. I like he brought that up because I was thinking about it right after I made that uh, comment. I, I was thinking that them, them two together on the court, they look like uh, they work at the fish market, you know, throwing the ball back and forth to each other, you know, just like shoving it back to each other down the block. That's what they were doing quite a bit. I know Frank only had the one assist, but he was making some great passes out there. And you, you forget that about Frank. And when he's on the floor with Dario, who too is you know learning this year to pass the ball more and be more of a playmaker mm-hmm. both of them together it's fun to watch because they're big bodies down there no one can really get the ball away from them unless dario loses it off his knee and they just they, they have this control over in the paint so where they can dish it out dish it to each other get the layups those little layups on their tippy toes it, it's a fun cute game to watch when they're both in the game i liked it well, the thing that I really like about it is the screening that it created for Cameron Payne and the way that they can set two double high screens and essentially an inexperienced Warriors bench team that has to try mm-hmm. to navigate that has a hard time trying to figure out which screen campaign's going to go off. And then from there, you know, what, what are the Suns going to do? Wh- which way are they going to go? And, fr- and you know, uh, Eddie Johnson did a great job of breaking down how professional of a screener Dario Sarge really is and what he means to this team relative to that. Uh, as I go through advanced stats on NBA while I'm talking, I'm trying to see how many minutes that they have both played together and oh yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, if we're like, pointing it out, if we're pointing it out, the jamsters are pointing. Out, I bet you it's very minimal because it's something we all noticed. Tonight. One other game that they have done it so far this season, a total of three. Oh no, wait, wrong one. Dario Sarge, Frank Kaminsky. They played sixteen point four minutes together in one game, um, and the team was a plus twenty one. So it was most likely in a blowout. That's the yeah. only other time that the Suns have played that lineup, and. A game like tonight, it made sense. They had no interior uh, defense outside of Wiseman. They have no size, and yeah. you know Draymond Green is somebody who essentially can play a five in a small ball lineup, and they didn't have that option at their disposal this evening. So it was definitely uh, a, ch- a challenge for them to try to defend, and something that Monty realized and took advantage of in this game. Yeah, they did, and it's it's fun to watch them play together because I, I think more and more you're going to go to that because Saric playing the five behind DeAndre is great, and then you also have Frank who comes in sometimes. I mean, he's been starting next to DeAndre, so you know you can those are interchangeable things, and I think Monty's going to implement that more going forward. Agreed, agreed. It's, again, seeing that we have the ability to impose our will on other teams, we can put yeah. them in awkward spots based on what their lineups try. So uh, another thing, obviously, we've got to talk about is Devin Booker. Banged his knee in the, I believe it was the second quarter up against uh, uh, Kent Bazemore. And, you know, he limped off. Maybe it was the first quarter. He limped off. He went back to the locker room. He did come back. He did play. He wasn't necessarily the most efficient version of Devin Booker tonight. 16 points on 6 of 20 shooting. And as Eddie said on the broadcast, it looked like he just wasn't necessarily getting his lift. He was 1 for 5 from downtown. He did have 6 assists in this game and only 2 turnovers. Uh, what did you mm-hmm. see, and what are you con- are you concerned? I'm not too concerned. It is more like, of course, it's Devin Booker coming back after you bang knees like that. You know, it's a it's a game where you should be blowing out these this team, and he still comes back. That's just the way he is. He wants to compete, maybe get a stats up there too against his team. But he was basically was he just like playing mid court most of the game? <laughs> yeah, know? he was doing he was some shooting. of that LeBron stuff where he just kind of yeah. he lives in between three point line and three point line. That's what he was doing, and I mean, I'm fine with it as long as it's nothing severe. It's probably just like a bruise or something, but I think Monty said he's all right after. I know someone said in the chat that he's injured, but who knows? We got a lot of fake news on this chat, so (laughs) I was just joking. But, I mean, if he's injured, that sucks. I don't think he's going to be. He wouldn't come back in the game. He'd be smarter than that. I mean, he doesn't want to not play in the All-Star game in the second half. Like, that's all we would need is Booker to be out, you know? Yeah, yeah. don't don't speak it into existence, okay? Don't Mm -hmm. don't, don't say those words. Uh, Real quick, first Prime G says in the chat, I like the Frank and Saric duo if we don't sign Drummond or Blake (laughs) Griffin. 
Um, yeah. I think this is a good time just to remind everybody, hashtag JaVale McGee is where the Suns Jam Session podcast stands on this one. If there's buyouts in Cleveland, <laughs> if there's buyouts in Detroit, and JaVale McGee is available, that's the guy that this podcast, and I think I'm speaking for you, Matthew. But Yeah, you are. Another Capricorn. He's a Capricorn, too. He's a guy that wants to make sure everyone's happy in the locker room. You know, Capricorns are as happy as everyone in the room. So good locker room guy. There you go. And I don't care if he got into it earlier in the season with Frank Kaminsky in that game. Uh, we would gladly have him as a member of the Phoenix Suns. And I think yeah, he can really shore matter. up our depth in that capacity. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we want to talk about when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, obviously, the bench, um, 61 to 46, they outscored. Mm -hmm the golden state warriors tonight if you look at the box score what a beautiful box score by the way i'm just going to read off the point totals for the members of the phoenix suns 14 from jay crowder who shot four for seven from deep so great job crowder crowder's really been on a good streak recently of hitting shots from downtown right he has and he's so cool and chill about it too you know you'll never know if he's hot or cold right i mean when he's shooting the ball when he makes it of course it gives a little glare to the to the bench sometimes yes. but I love that tonight he did that, but you just would never know if this guy is cold or high. He's just so consistent. EJ talked about it. I don't know if you listened to Zach Lowe podcast where he talked about Crowder, and he said that he loves him in the starting lineup. He likes how he is just the guy that's going to shoot no matter what. If he's hot, like I said, hot or cold earlier, and he's a confident shooter, and that's exactly what the Suns need for three because when he makes them, it's, it's almost perfect timing for him, I feel like. He always can get hot when we need him. Yeah, and he always hits the big one. If the Suns are in a slump, all of a sudden he'll hit the big one. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, only eight points on three for seven shooting. It feels like he had more than that because Mikhail does more than that. He is the silent assassin in these games where you don't really realize how much he does until you go back and you watch the tape. And he had another solid performance. Uh, 11 for uh, points for DeAndre Ayton, as we mentioned. 10 for Chris Paul on only three of six shooting. So he is really the beautiful thing about this is Chris Paul is the one who kind of jumpstarted this team like, you know, 10, 15 games ago. And now he just gets to kind of cruise. He set everybody up. Everyone knows how to play and he gets to cruise now, man. Yeah. He's like the shift manager now, dude. He just like walks in, walks around and sees if everyone's doing their job and like takes off. You know what I mean? He's hanging mm -hmm. in there, of course, but he's not putting up gaudy stats. And I know I've made like an MVP case. He needs better stats, of course, but he's just that. I think it's just his presence, man. The more and more I say, I sound ridiculous, but it's true. His presence on the court is just something that you can't replace. And it's exactly what the Suns team needed. So absolutely, I don't care about his stats. As long as he's on the court, I love it. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Devin Booker, as we mentioned, had 16 points. And, th and then you hit the bench. You have 17 points and 10 assists, a double-double for campaign in 27 minutes. What did you see from campaign? And can we put to rest a lot of that? Well, is <laughs> is is Monty Williams choosing Etwan more over campaign right now because he doesn't like what campaign he's seen from campaign? Or was it just a matter of campaign getting back into playing shape after her having an ankle injury? probably about yeah, a month and a half ago, a month ago. I don't know, man. It, it's pretty interesting because campaign, I think at the beginning of the season, like you said, he was our backup point guard. Now it's just like, he's going through a moment to where he needed this game. And I think players need these games to where you're playing the trashy teams or not trashy teams. Well, I'm sorry. Like the lesser teams, I keep saying, and they just need to bump up their stats and you get their shot going, got the three going down. He was finding players. He had 10 assists, which is ridiculous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, man. And, and Etwan Moore, of course, had a garbage game tonight. That's the beauty of this lineup or the bench is because when Etwan Moore is not doing his job, then you got campaign who's going to make up for it. It's the same thing with all these players. Like once they just take a dip, we're like, maybe we should trade these guys. But then they come back and then they're just, you know, I'm not going to say he's consistent. I don't know if he's going to play a lot of minutes in the, postseason i mean we're far from that but right now i think it's just a game that he needed right yeah he needed to feel that confidence and seeing that monty williams provided him those minutes he took advantage of that and that puts him back in good favor with monty and that's what we want to see as suns fans it's so great how suns fans have truly adopted campaign and absolutely love this guy yeah. and that's the majority of this roster i we can go up and down and then i think the only guy we did really didn't enjoy watching play was damian jones and we cut him so i mean i think that james yeah. jones is hanging out on twitter all day hearing what we say he'd probably go in there and be like listen da they're really giving you some shit on twitter because uh you know you're not playing up to your potential <laughs> but everybody else he's like dude all the suns fans yeah. love you i mean i see some people in the chat and they're bringing up the fact that langston galloway didn't get a chance in this game and listen we won by 22 points 
Uh, Langston Galloway will get his chance. He is a pro. He is a, a true veteran, and he knows when his number is called, he'll be out there and he'll score those points as well, just as every other member of this team has. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Nader had a game too today. I mean, his oh, blocks are getting kind of floppy. Yeah, he he's going off, and I think he's really owning these minutes. He he's a he's a guy. Oh, he was almost like a Damian Jones guy, where a lot of people just didn't want him on the team anymore, didn't care for him. But he's proving this is why Monty wanted to play him more minutes because he has an effect on offense and defense when he's not making causing mistakes, of course. But he he is blocking shots. I mean, getting to the rim, he had that nice dunk tonight. Though going down the the middle of the lane, that was a perfect dunk. Like that was something that I feel like he needed just to get his momentum, get his energy back up. But I love that guy too as well. I mean, I don't love him. I just like him in the lineup. No, me too. You know, hashtag too as well. And I think that. He's oh, did some, I do it? Damn yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, you'll get better. Right. We'll get. We'll, the no, it's, just is, a, it's a nervous twitch. That's all it is. But you're not nervous, Matthew. It's 30 just the years, way it's, 30 years of saying that. So <laughs> can't stop me now you can't you can't can't change it uh but no i agree i mean the pyramid poppy the way that he's been performing these past couple games reminds you and it's really been like the last six quarters because the first two quarters as we mentioned on that last podcast we had with dan duarte on here it was really kind of frustrating to see him play i mean he was just kind of all over the place turning the ball over i mean we love his aggressiveness we love that he is somebody who does take the ball to the rack he tries to force the issue but sometimes when he does that due to his athletic ability and his basketball skill set it isn't the most graceful thing and sometimes he turns the ball over but he's been hitting some shots in this game he had 14 points six for 12 shooting i mean if you go up and down the lineup outside of da shooting or i'm sorry devin booker shooting the ball 20 times abdel nader was second in shot attempts tonight with 12 which is pretty impressive uh but he also had nine rebounds so he is somebody who does provide a little bit of length a little bit of scoring, a little bit of three-point shooting, a little bit of uh, the ability to take it to the rim and try to force the issue on the opposing team. So he's definitely somebody who I think is uh, a valued member of this team like the majority of this team is. I mean, again, we're 24 and 11. It's really hard to sit around knowing that the team is what one, what? They're like 16 and three in their last 19. Mm-hmm. We're not going to sit here and pick apart the lineup. It's really hard at this point. I mean, yeah, Langston Galloway couldn't get in because the team is just that effective and efficient. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how these, even Nader, like just the look on their face when they're on the court, it just means so much to them to be on this team and to care. And I know it's just lazy and, and lame to say, but it is true. Like, I mean, the last five years we put up with like DeAndre Ayton types where it's just like young, just want to have fun. And they're just, you know, they're out there to produce the most they can, but they're still so green. But this team is just so opposite from that. And I'm not saying Aiden's like that this year. I'm just saying that that's the way it always was. But I just think that this team, if you just look at them on the core, it's just it's something cool to see because they actually care and they want to win here. And that's something that we haven't seen here in forever. And again, it's it's culture, it's development. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance today to read Kevin O'Connor's piece. No, on the I got to read. It. I'll read it. I haven't had time today. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> it is a fantastic read. Really, just kind of going through the majority of the players on the team and talking about their development and how they fit into this team and and what this Suns team in is. And it's not anything that you're going to sit down, you're going to read, and you're going to it's going to change your life. It's not going to be like, oh, my God, I never realized that. If you're a Suns fan, you're watching it. But what it's nice is the fact that it's the ringer putting this out there, that we're getting mm-hmm. that national recognition. And it's not something you necessarily need, but it's something that you have to kind of sit back and enjoy and uh, appreciate. You know, it's been a long long time at least for me personally i don't know about you but it's been a really long time since i have sat down after the game and obviously we conduct our podcast right after the game but after i'm done doing this podcast you know it's been years since i've stayed up late struggling through a personality rather than highlight driven show like sports center to watch sun's recaps and i do that now And seeing the Suns logo next to a topic of positive conversation is something I'm not going to take for granted. I'm absolutely loving this right now. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is awesome. I, I'm kind of opposite in the way where I just, you know, there are talking heads out there and they're going to say what people want to hear kind of, but it is nice to see them on there. I mean, it means more to the players too, as well. I mean, they want their recognition. They want their respect. It's like, how much respect do you want as NBA players? Like, come on, like, already making hundreds i'm just kidding but they (laughs) they seriously they want that respect the sun's team so and they're earning it and they know they still got a long way just like booker in his career he's still got a little bit ways to get that more respect that he needs or that he wants well another guy who i think that we (laughs) 
Kenneth Payne, real quick in the chat. I love this. Nader is a medium sized dick booker. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Obviously, yeah. we call him he's big dick book, and <laughs> Nader's like medium sized dick book. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I like love that comparison. Guy. Shout out to <laughs> Kenneth Payne via who is watching live via Facebook on that yeah. one. I guess this is this is a good time to remind everybody who is watching along with us. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. If you're watching along live with us via YouTube. Please subscribe. Tell your friends. The goal is 900 subscribers. And also hit that thumbs up button. We truly appreciate it. It helps with the algorithms and such. And guys, other Suns fans to this podcast, which again goes live after every game. Uh, Javon Carter tonight. I've seen a lot of love for Javon in the chat. Obviously, you and I have always been big Javon Carter fans, you know, Nathaniel's yeah. talking about him. Carter did well. Uh, code JJM, another loyal listener, you know, Javon Carter in all caps. And it's nice to finally see some Javon minutes. I know that you and I absolutely love him. He's somebody who has been buried due to the depth of this team, who played a great role in the changing of the culture last year. And is another guy who rose his hand and is like, I'm coming back to Phoenix. Uh, how great was it to actually watch and see Javon Carter get some quality minutes tonight? It's good. And the best part of it is he just doesn't complain either. I mean, he's going to come in and give the same passion as if he was playing 20 minutes a game. Every minute he comes in, that passion is going to be there. That's why I love him so much on the court, especially just defensively. Everyone knows that, of course, but that rip away seal that he had today, it just reminds me. I don't know if you saw the video of him going up against sticks where he was just kept taking the ball away from him. It just shows how much, how good he is on defense, man, and mm-hmm. how much he, he cares to be on this team. And just like everybody else, man, they, they're here for the ride. But I mean, they're they're owning their own they're owning their own shit basically on this team, and they're just coming out there and producing. And he's nothing less of that. He is basically the guy that is going to be on the bench supporting the Suns when he's not in the game, and then when he's on the court. I mean, he can do some damage. I mean, he's hit or miss sometimes, but he can nail a couple threes, just like Galloway. So it's nice for him to get some minutes tonight, dude. Yeah, and it's it's again. I mean, I huge Javon Carter fan. Uh, shout out to him and his mom, who does has a great presence on social media. Great to see those minutes. Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel Dar says it right in the chat. Like Carter plus Jalen Smith playing equals an easy win for the Suns. And a couple more statistics I want to throw out there before we put a bow on this one and then look forward uh, for the Phoenix Suns this evening. Uh, uh, unbelievably effective on the boards and owning the paint. They had 62 points in the paint to the Golden State Warriors, 38. They out-rebounded them 52-39. to So, I mean, just complete ownership of the paint tonight. And on the 49 makes that the Suns had, uh, 31 of those came via the assist. So, again, fantastic win for the Phoenix Suns. As we look at how we were kind of uh, guessing how this game would go. uh, Guess what? Let's see. What do we have on our guess? What? Who would have more threes made, Curry or Booker plus Paul? Um, you look at Devin Booker plus Chris Paul. We had a total of three made three pointers, and Steph Curry didn't play. So uh, <laughs> good call on that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Ayton over or under five uh, and a half free throw attempts. I said under on this one, he had two, so I was correct there. But the only thing that truly matters and the thing that we count in our record books, Matthew, is who wins, the Suns or the Warriors. We mm-hmm. both got that one correct. This puts our records currently. I am 13-7. and seven, You are 15-5. and five. There's no, no matter what I do, I can't make up ground on you. And the only time I haven't made ground up ground on you and you've made up ground on me and extended your lead is when I am a fool and I pick against the Suns. <laughs> yeah that's what you get i'm sorry man you'll <laughs> learn your lesson <laughs> oh well well it's time to bring back a segment that we haven't done in a while let me uh throw that dj scratch out there again so obviously we are hitting that time of the season in which trades are going to be proposed uh, shout out to bleacher report for constantly and consistently consistently making a lot of really just shitty trade offers. One trade every team needs to make in order to blah, blah, blah. And they always just put together a package of dog shit, put a little bow on it, and then (laughs) readers read it and then react to it. Um, But what I really wanted to talk about today was after Devin Booker's ejection against the Lakers and the Suns coming back and beating the Lakers and proving that they are truly and utterly uh, the personification of team ball, ESPN, as I mentioned, you know, kind of has that clickbait, and they aired this, Matthew. Devin Book. Gotcha. And okay. when you look at the ties that exist within the Knicks organization, you have a guy like Leon Rose who's running the team. 
Devin Booker was one of his top clients when he was with the, obviously as an agent, represented him. How did Devin Booker get to Leon Rose? He came through the routes of Kentucky basketball. Worldwide West. Connection. Very deep connection to Cal. Worldwide West is now with the Knicks. Right. Kenny Payne recruited Devin Booker. He was an assistant coach with Kentucky basketball. He's now an assistant coach with the Knicks. Hmm. All these things kind of work together. They have all the relationships. It, it, that's that's a piece that Wendy was talking about. How about that? Devin See? Booker. See? Yeah. So, makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly makes sense. And I just wanted to kind of talk about that because, again, we're getting into dumb trade season. And we've talked about it, you know, outside of picking up JaVale McGee potentially on a buyout. I don't know how many moves the Phoenix Suns necessarily need to make. But why do we have to constantly hear this garbage from national media outlets that Devin mm-hmm. Booker is going to end up a New York Nick, especially when this team is playing the way it is? He's done all of this work that is noted in KOC's article where Devin Booker talks about what Monty Williams essentially says in the bubble. You know, what what lays lies on the other side of hard is the success that this team is having right now. Why would after the Suns have a team victory over the Lakers after Devin Booker's named the Western Conference Player of the Month. Would they even bring up trading Devin Booker to the Knicks? Is it pure and utterly clickbait and we've fallen for yeah. it? No, no, it isn't. The world wants Devin Booker. The world wants Booker. Basically, they want him in New York or L.A., one of those one of those towns, which doesn't make sense to Booker, too. He's not going to be that guy to ask for out, for out right now. I mean, if this team, of course, didn't have Chris Paul, maybe it'd be a different situation. Right now, it's idiotic. I mean, that we're even talking about it. I think he just didn't have anybody else to say. And those ties are fine, but I don't know who the hell all those people are. I mean, I'm sure Booker knows who they are, but they're all, all these players, all these agents, all of them know each other. All of them work together. Like, there's always a connection you can find. But like I said, New York and the world, they want Booker over there. Of course, with the New York Knicks playing as well as they are, you want that next star on the team, and it's Devin Booker. But I mean, I'm sorry, this this season's going way too well. Second best record in the league right now. I, I just don't know how this even makes any sense, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's a slap in the face, essentially, to the Suns organization, to Devin Booker, uh, to to all of the effort that's been going in, just to sit there. And again, you know, I get it. Yeah. These, th- this is this get their job. You know, we do this podcast as a couple of buddies who truly enjoy watching Suns basketball. Uh, they do th- that for a living. So if it's a slow news day as they're preparing for the All-Star break, they got to come up with something. But I saw something again this morning, and it was something along the lines of, you know, Donovan Mitchell could be traded. You know what I mean? They, they, they're just kind of the yeah, dumb trade season. There. Yeah, it's yeah. the dumb trade season. So, you know, I'm reminding Suns fans, every time you see this clickbait, don't necessarily click it. The Suns Jam session, we'll, we'll click it for you, and we'll <laughs> come back and report that it is bullshit and just yeah. carry on. And, you know, this is where, you know, I, I love all of you who are watching via Facebook. You're the smart ones. There's a lot of dumb comments that happen on Suns Facebook, and these are the kind of stories where people read too much into it, and they're like, well, no, why does he want to leave? And it's like, settle down, everybody. It's yeah. going to be okay. They, they just they call it a work. You know, they just can't handle it. this kind of situation. <laughs> it's, it's impossible for him to ask out right now. Absolutely. So plenty more to come on Dumb Trade of the Week as I believe March 25th is when the trade deadline is. Thoughts? Um, brains? So now that we have the NBA All-Star Game in our view as it is upcoming here in just a, about three days, say it's Thursday, right? So Saturday, yeah. or I'm sorry, Sunday is when all of the All-Star festivities are going to occur. Uh, the Phoenix Suns will be heavily represented. Represented. Um, wow, I'm. I can speak real well. Does that me? <laughs> I have. No, this is two as well. Uh, so you look at the the three point shooting contest. Let's take a look at some of the guys who are playing in that. Obviously, Devin Booker is going yeah. to represent the Phoenix Suns. You have Jalen Brown from the Celtics, Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors, Zach Levine from the Bulls, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah jazz and Jason Tatum also from the Celtics. So both Celtics superstars. Well, okay. All stars Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to be participating in this event. Uh, This event occurs before the all-star game actually commences in Atlanta on Sunday. Who's winning this. And uh, that that's not named Devin Booker. 
<laughs> how much is Jalen Brown? I don't know. I just feel like this year, this is like his biggest upside year, of course, in his career, first time All-Star. But this is just his breakthrough year. I mean, I feel like he's going to win this or do something crazy in the All-Star game too as well. I He he deserves it. I think he's a guy that is kind of still under – He's he has that shadow of Jason Tatum over him a little bit, but I feel like Jalen Brown, of course, is the best player on that team. Jason Tatum, I don't know. I just don't see the big deal. But Jalen Brown, man, that's my pick. Who do you got? Okay. Well, I mean, I obviously Devin Booker is going to win this thing. Oh, I think, obviously. We, can, I think yeah. we can agree on that simply because there's nobody better in a non-game situation at shooting the three ball than Devin Booker. Remember the highlight from last year when Ricky Rubio standing in the shooting line waiting to go and Devin Booker yeah. hits about 45 yeah. straight. He's made for this event. You throw the fact that there's, I don't think there's going to be fans there, but even if there are, it will be minimal, minimal. He's probably going to uh, dominate this event. So if it's not him, um, I'm probably going to go along the lines of Steph Curry just because it's a cop out. I mean, I think that he too, with his quick release, he is so uh, pure of a shooter. I look at the other guys here, Donovan Mitchell. Um, I'm going to talk about him a little bit, but he is definitely not somebody who is a good shooter per se. Uh, Jalen Brown, you're right. It is his year, but I don't see him doing it. Zach Levine could probably surprise you. And uh, I'm not big on Jason Tatum necessarily either. And then after that, um, we have the skills ch- challenge, and it might be the other way around, but the skills challenge with the six players Fat being R- Robert <laughs> Robert Covington, Fat Luca, uh, Chris Paul representing <laughs> the Suns, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, and Nikola Vucevic being the this three bigs. This is always fun to watch is the skills challenge. Uh, who do you have winning this? And do you give it to Chris Paul? I mean, he's participated, I believe, in this event four or five times. Uh, who do you think he's going to do it? Okay, so I'm gonna if if it's not Chris Paul, I'm gonna choose Chris Paul, of course. But Sabonis, I'm gonna choose though second runner up. I don't know. This guy is just so skilled, and you're gonna see it on display. I think a lot of people know that, but like if they need a Pacers and the Utah Jazz, just don't get a lot of publicity. This guy for sure is gonna win. I think. <laughs> I'm giving it to <laughs> Fat Luca. Why not? He's got to he's got to win something. You know, I mean, yeah. I know that all of Mavs Nation is upset because he didn't win the. Western Conference Player of the Month for the month of February. The team, I think, eight and two in the month, I believe. Whatever. Um, yeah, Fat Luca for sure. Yeah, I think that's what their record is, or at least their last okay. 10 games were eight and two. So everybody thought it was like the end of the world that Luca didn't get it. It's like, you know what? He's going to win the skills challenge, Mavs fans. So it's going to be okay. Everybody can just relax and settle okay. down. And then the highlight of today was the selection of the. Uh, the all-star teams themselves. And you had LeBron James and you had Kevin Durant choosing their teams like a game of pickup. And did did you watch this, Matthew, or did you see I it? Watched, uh, I watched part of it, yeah. Just part of it, sorry. I've seen the teams. I just watched part of it, though. Okay, so perfect. I have the graphic up for how the results ended. Team LeBron versus Team Durant. The first overall pick being Giannis Antetokounmpo. T- uh, Kevin Durant, of course, goes with Kyrie Irving, seen as that's his teammate. Steph Curry goes to Team LeBron. So right off the bat, you're like, oh, man, this is a good team. Uh, and then you can kind of see where it went from there. What do you think of the starters knowing that Jason Tatum is and and I don't know why was Jason Tatum the the automatic like well Kevin Durant isn't playing because he's injured so Jason Tatum will take his place is it because he plays the same position I, I oh, or was yeah. it based on voting or something I don't know that I'm not too sure but I, I think he just he's always been the guy Jason Tatum's like the next guy kind of like not the way Giannis was, but he's like the next one up. He was always that guy. Oh, he's so young. He's only 16 years old and he can be an MVP next year. That's the way he's always been treated. So I think he's always going to be that guy in the conversation as an all-star, even like in the future, like people think might, he might be like an MVP candidate. Like, I don't know. I don't see it, but it is, it kind of blows my mind sometimes to see him on this list. Yeah, me too. There's a Gatorade is like choosing him to be the next big thing. Therefore he is the next big thing. Um, the boogie trend in the chat says it was voting. He was next. So probably based on fan votes and things of that nature, but obviously the big moment that uh, was occurred for the Phoenix suns is James Harden is the first pick for Kevin Durant. And then Dame Lillard went for team LeBron. And then yeah. the next guy was Devin Booker. And LeBron was pissed, obviously. And, and you know, they kind of played that game a little bit as yeah. as the, everything went on, as guys mm-hmm. as guys were coming off the board, like, damn, I wanted that guy. Damn, I wanted that guy. But like LeBron A looked legitimately pissed. And B, I mean, how how did you feel knowing that Devin Booker is the third reserve taken and he's not even technically supposed to be there? 
I mean, how much respect is on this man's name right now? You know, I, I think that's the reason he was taken so high is because they know that he should have been an all-star this year, being a, just, you know, being the, the last call, the last guy in. It, it sucks, and they knew it sucked for Booker's. I think they did that not on purpose just because of that reason, but he's also a cool, chill player. You know, everyone wants him in the locker room. No one has any gripe about the guys, so why not choose him second? And he, I mean, he's ultimately that guy this year where he's the second half of this, not second half, but the last month and a half of the season, he's been killing it. So I, I would have chosen him too, maybe even number one. It's just, it, it gets you excited because it shows you the level of respect that has been talked about. I mean, Kevin Durant a couple years ago uh, was, I believe it was something around the Team USA festivities. Uh, yes. Noted that Devin Booker was just a pure shooter and he absolutely, you know, he expressed his love for him at that point. He was fanboying him back then. And then obviously just the other day when Devin Booker wasn't selected to the All-Star game, LeBron James said Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in our league. Simple as that. So he's definitely getting that respect. But then in this format, it's almost... Uh, like a fuck you to the coaches for not putting him in as an all-star reserve right off the bat, him having to get in due to the Anthony Davis injury. But it just makes you excited because it shows you how much respect he has. And when you think in the long term of the Phoenix Suns and how does this affect our team moving forward, Devin Booker's under contract for, I believe, the next four years. Is that right? I think it's four years. Mm-hmm. His name is being put out there by the greats, the guys that these young guys are revering, Okay, these young stars who are, let's just say, five years and younger in the league. And you have LeBron James and Kevin Durant and the elder statesman, CP3, the elder statesman of this league, and they're saying Booker's next. He's up. He's a star. So when the time comes for some of these guys to make free agency decisions – they might turn their eyes towards Phoenix and goes, you know what? I want to play with the guy that my the I, the guy LeBron, the guy I idolized, Kevin Durant, a guy who I patterned my game after. I want to go play with him because they think he's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is perfect. That's the best way to put it because he is. Plus, he's unselfish. I mean, he had Chris Paul come here, and Chris Paul could just be like the best player on this team. And of course, he's older, but he is that good still to where he could take over this team. But it's still, Devin Booker's team. I just think he knew that he needed Chris Paul here to help him grow, but it just shows how unselfish the guy is. And I think that goes a long way to where, you know, in the future, this is going to be the spot where a lot of people want to come. Once California is just in the ocean, uh, (laughs) Phoenix will be here and everyone will be here. We'll have a beach after the next big one. And it slowly floats towards Hawaii. Yes. I've got oceanfront property on Arizona as George Strait once said, Uh, you continue to look at the selections and Chris Paul is going to be playing for Team LeBron, so that will mm-hmm. be fun because there will be minutes in this game where CP3 will be playing against Devin Booker, most likely defending him and vice versa. And you're hoping to see a few smiles there and some you know, friendly competition between the teammates. And uh, obviously looking forward to that, right? Yeah, some nipple twists, whatever they want to do on the court. It's going to be fun, dude. Uh, but you know, if Chris Paul takes it seriously, I don't care. That's just the way he is, right? That's the way he, yes, that's the kind of player he is. But it's going to be a fun game to watch. I don't care what everybody says about the All-Star game. I think it's just fun. I mean, this is the best players in the league, dude. All at once. How does it get any more, better than that? It's. I've always been a huge fan of the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> you know, I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, titty twisters aside, the all-star game in the NBA is like the home run derby for me. Like there's two things that I always end up watching and I can tell you, uh, I've never watched a pro bowl in my life. Never once. In football. Well, I did. I remember watching it once. It was terrible. <laughs> but but the, What's so great about the NBA all-star game is it's a, a time capsule. Because you can go on NBA TV and they'll start to show the old NBA All-Star games and they'll show like the 1998 NBA All-Star game. And you'll see some random player out there like Hot Rod Williams or something. You're like, oh shit, like what the hell is he doing out there? And like that season, the Cleveland Cavaliers were, you know, a, a little bit frisky and he was one of the best players on them. And uh, obviously the formats were different back then and it was more defined role. So he had an opportunity to get in there. So it's really going to be fun to see if he got if he uh you know the different guys who play in that time frame so i'm always a big fan of how the the all-star games go and kind of the whole process it's made more fun uh it's made for the fans and you know we're the fans uh obviously yeah. oh go ahead no i was gonna say yeah i mean the nfl is not like that at all the nfl no. just has a bunch of you know random players a lot of people don't want to go so you don't even know which teams are even doing that great that year but yeah it's a great way to put it man i didn't even think about it that way yeah so i mean it's uh It'll be interesting to watch this. Obviously, kind of one of those little 
a bit of shade to be thrown out there by both Kevin Durant and LeBron James is the fact that the team in the NBA who has the number one record, the Utah Jazz, who, by the by, the Phoenix Suns are rapidly closing upon relative to standings as they lost last night against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the Suns are only two and a half games behind them now as they have a 27-9 and nine record and we're 24-11. and 11. But the last two members of the Utah Jazz were the last two picked. It was Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Uh, even I, I believe Charles Barkley was saying on the broadcast on the TNT podcast, uh, he, you know, it was kind of shady that they were doing that. Don't throw that disrespect out. And then LeBron's response was fantastic. He's like, listen, growing up playing video games, no one ever chose Utah. Like, you know, <laughs> some shade on top of shade. Yeah. You Dude, know, that what? Sucks, man, to be, yeah. I mean, I know you got the Donovan Mitchell rant coming up here soon, but I do have Donovan Mitchell rant Utah, coming. Man. It just sucks to hear that stuff, you know? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. It does. no, well, not enough for us. It was kind of funny to see that. Uh, the Both the, the disrespect that was thrown towards the Utah Jazz. And, you know, I guess... I guess I will go on a little bit of a Donovan Mitchell rant at this point. Seeing as, you know, I don't know if you saw last night, but he did get tossed uh, Mm -hmm. for a technical foul, which was his second one in overtime last night against the 76ers. Did you see that, Matthew? I saw it. I did see it. it, You saw it because I shared it with you this morning. Exactly. I I was like, man, I'm like, Donovan Mitchell is just one of those guys who just kind of grinds my gears. There's about four or five players in the NBA who grind my gears just because, I feel like they're overrated or they get talked about too much or the, you know, they're dubbed the next big, big thing, yada, yada, yada. Now, obviously when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, um, it's, it's probably because he gets compared to Devin Booker a lot. And it, and it makes sense that he does. He's a two guard who plays in the Western conference. He was a 13th overall pick, just like Devin Booker. Uh, he's somebody who makes a lot of highlight dunks and things of that nature. Uh, so I understand kind of the comparisons that he gets, but one of the reasons I'm not a big Donovan Mitchell fan is kind of the way that he gets his points. You know, I feel like he is a very inefficient shooter, and obviously the statistics back it up. Uh, he is a 59.4% true shooter, and if you look at that comparative to the rest of the league right now, that puts him kind of in like the Buddy Heald and the Eric Bledsoe uh conversation and then seeing him get the technical foul that tossed him out of the game uh, was something that just kind of uh, <laughs> it just really kind of pissed me off because you know I was like yeah. how, how dare you get tossed from a game just like a night after Devin Booker got tossed yeah. for two technicals like you want to be him <laughs> so bad like I even posted something I think from our Twitter account and some jazz fan was like you know whoa bro you're obsessed it's like I'm not obsessed with the Utah Jazz I think it's funny that Donovan Mitchell was so pissed that he missed every shot in the fourth quarter uh, or I'm sorry in overtime against the 76ers in a high leverage game that started chirping to get thrown out of a game whereas like Devin Booker is somebody who gets thrown out against his own volition he bounced the ball to a referee it wasn't really that big of a deal but for some reason and kudos to the Fanny and the Flames podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network like if you haven't listened to their podcast go listen to it today tomorrow the next day uh they do a really good job of breaking down the referees who were refing that game, one of them's name is Jordan Van Dean, I believe, and like the Suns' winning percentage against him as a referee, like yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous, and it's so funny how like that's how Devin Booker gets thrown out of a game, and just to see Donovan Mitchell act in the capacity that he did, it was just kind of, I don't know, like I hate to throw shots at other players, and that's not what I'm using this podcast as a as a platform for. But when you like, are, when you shoot twelve for thirty four and have thirty three points, and you're like over in overtime, I forget what his overtime numbers were. Over five, over three from downtown, and then he gets tossed. And on his way out, he like hits a uh, a Gatorade cooler, <laughs> and it hits a guy who's just sitting there, like one of the security staff. Like, I'll say it, man. Dem- Donovan Mitchell's a little bitch, man. I just oh oh my, ew. I'm sorry, my I'm ew. sorry. I'm sorry, Dude. Jamsters. You didn't come yeah. here for that kind of content. No, it's okay. That was a good rant, man. I honestly, I think Donovan Mitchell, I've always respected the guy, of course. I, I, I respect the Utah I, I Jazz. I clearly don't. Sorry. I, I know, I know. I know the frustration with people. But, I mean, they he can't help that people, like, they that they compared them to, you know, Booker and Mitchell. I, he can't help that. He's just going to play his game. But I'm just, a, I don't know. I, I probably am not getting on the 
the good side of the jamsters right now because a lot of people do not like Donovan Mitchell or the Utah Jazz. Um, but the whole referee thing, though, I think it's just kind of crazy. I think something needs to happen to where these technicals, what is happening in the game between the players and the rest, they need to sort things out because Agreed. whether whether it's the rest's fault or the players' fault, I just I don't want it to be where I, I'm going to watch the game and I have to worry about fouls, I have to worry about technicals, I have to worry about all of this having to do with the refs just to watch my team and worry about that because I'm we might lose or we might win because of it. And if it's the player's fault or the ref's fault, they got to work it out this offseason because I am just sick of watching it and these technicals, you don't even know why people are getting teed and thrown out of the game like Devin Booker because he said the bitch word. Like, if that's it, then that's fine. Then, like, the players themselves, then, like, just don't do that then, I guess. I don't know. There has to be a way to where this can affect games. You need all your players on the court. You know what I mean? You just can't throw them out. It just – it ruins the whole game. Whether or not I'm a Suns fan or not, if I'm watching that game, I'm watching Devin Booker. I want to watch Devin Booker. You know what I mean? And the, it, him getting thrown out in a whole half, no Devin Booker, it's just crazy. That should never happen in the NBA. They need to fix it. They need to just sit down 10 hours in a bunker and just you know come up with ideas how we can get these players and the refs to, to coincide, just figure things out. Because it's frustrating me and everybody else. And you know it's a side effect of the fact that there's no fans and crowd noise in there, so they're hearing everything that the players are saying. True, this was obviously true. something that we were discussing prior to the bubble that would happen. And I don't think that Donovan Mitchell should have been thrown out of the game the same way I don't think that Devin Booker should have been thrown out of the game. I mean, you, this sport needs its stars, and you shouldn't have the 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 egos and the sensitivities of refs frees being called names after they're making decisions you know that are are questionable sometimes you know there is no true accountability for referees in this league and obviously it's kind of like that in every league you know it's you you are god you are the judge the jury and the executioner on some of these plays and these guys have a lot at stake they've got bonuses tied to points and things all kinds of different things so you're taking money out of their pocket sometime when you do those kind of things, and then when they get double teched and thrown out of the game, you're taking out, you're literally taking money out of their pocket because they're fined by the league. So you're right. There's definitely some work that needs to be done there. I just it, Donovan Mitchell for some reason just gets under my skin, and for that I'm sorry. You know, it's not. No, um, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm probably getting I'm getting ripped in the chat. No, it, but you're fine, dude. You know, but whatever. Uh, anyways, um, only reason I like thing, you're so true well, to yourself, John. Yeah, I, I keep it a little too real. Uh, one thing I did want to bring up is the fact that the Phoenix Suns now are, again, 24 and 11 entering the All-Star break, which puts them at a 68.6 win percentage. The last time we had a winning percentage that high entering the All-Star break was the 2007 and 2008 season when the team was 37 and 16 and had a 69.8% winning uh, winning percentage. Uh, the la- Here are winning percentages over the last 10 years for the Phoenix Suns entering the All-Star break. Uh, last year, 49%. Two years ago, 18.6%. The 2017-18 season, 30.5%. 16-17, we were 316 you go back to 15, 16, it was 25.9. Uh, obviously, the 14, 15 season was that season where we came ever so close to making the playoffs and we just didn't get in. We were 53%. Uh, we were 58% the prior season, then 32, 41, and 50. I mean, it's been a long time since the Suns have been, you know, in short, I'm saying it's been a long time since the Suns have been a uh, th- in such good shape entering the All Star break. Yeah, and it goes to show you, too, I like the record we have now going into the All-Star, but because of the minimal games, I think the NBA is really going to switch over to like a shorter season next year because when you said 36 and 12 or something like that, like that's kind of – I know actually the All-Star break is never right in the middle. So no, no. Right. As yeah, I was yeah, going through actually, and I was doing the research, yeah, the majority of it happens between like 51 games and like yeah. 58 being the latest. Forget so. what I said. Forget it. Forgotten. And so, Jamsters, just so you know, that just because the All-Star break is occurring doesn't mean that the Suns Jam session is taking a break. That's not what we do Uh here. We love talking basketball. We love hanging out with you. So what we're going to be doing on Sunday is we will be having our As It Happens podcast. So you can join us at the end of the first half of the All-Star game. We're going to be watching the slam slam Dunk Contest live, and then we'll be watching the second half of the game 
uh, talking about what we're seeing, interacting with you guys. You can come on the pod if you want as we have Jamsters react. So if you're interested, you can tweet us during the game. Just DM us, and we'll send you a link actually to the podcast, and you can come on and you know talk about the Suns. We'll have some time to kill, obviously, to do that. We're going to have some special guests on. So, Matthew, how stoked are you to have that podcast on Sunday? Oh, it's going to be fun. It's just like a hangout, you know. You got just bring a beer and hang out with us, dude. We're going to do, I don't even know what's going to happen. Who knows what's going to happen? So we get to be there to experience it firsthand. Absolutely. It's going to be a really good time. And then on Tuesday, we are actually going to have our mid-season jammy awards. I know that everybody's looking forward to the segment known as The Jammies. So we're going to get fancy. It's going to be a good time. We're going to talk about our uh, picks for our Jammy Awards, everything from the Big Dick Book Award to the Bob Gunton Award to the the guy who surprised the fuck out of you award and the Jesse Katsopoulos Award. Yeah, Maybe it's changed. Favorite. I already know. Mine has changed since the beginning of the season. Has it? So. All right. Yes, it has. We'll so it's going to be a great podcast. Again, thank you, uh, everyone who's going to be joining us then and, and is doing so now. I mean, not a lot of people left after I slammed uh, Donovan Mitchell. And again, for that, I'm oh, sorry. I have, I, have, I have feelings. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what else you got for the Jamsters tonight before we, we wrap this one up and oh. head, head into the all-star break, Matthew? Well, Jamsters, I don't have anything for you at all. What am I doing? I don't even know if you're asking me what I'm doing in life, but I just have everything but goodness for you guys. I appreciate everything and I'm happy you guys are here right now. Absolutely. That's what I have for them, John. And I'm going to go watch that shitty Sports Center show after this so they can tell me how, <laughs> nice. how, how after they yeah, bury the yeah. Suns highlight and they, you know, they, they tell me the whole highlight is just showing Steph Curry sitting on the bench or something. Oh, he's no, he didn't make the trip. So what the hell am I no, talking about? So, um, but that is it for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. As always, thank you for joining us. Please subscribe at Suns Jam on Twitter. Make sure if you are listening on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network, you subscribe, rate, review those Apple podcasts, those it's a great place to go in there, throw five stars, leave us a review. It obviously helps push us to the top of Sun's content, which we appreciate. Uh, subscribe to on our YouTube channel. Again, we're going for that 900. The goal one day is to be 1,000. It'd be really just, it would blow my mind, man. Um, so, and hit the thumbs up button because I know I'm going to get some thumbs down because jazz fans are going to find this and they're going to kill me. <laughs> Those jazz fans, man, they're the oh most God. racist sons of bitches. Damn, now they're really coming after me. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, please subscribe to the podcast. So uh, right. that's it. Uh, yeah. Take care, Jamsters. I'm going to get out of here before anyone yells at me. All right. Everyone go home and love your family. <laughs> take care, everybody. <laughs>